Hey, it's Chris from the Classic Metal Show. Just wanted to make sure you never, ever lose the CMS to the corporate entities of the world taking us down. Subscribe to our podcast by following our feed, https colon slash slash j dot mp slash cms feed j dot mp slash cms feed just plug that into your podcast player and you'll never lose us it's uncensored and it's controlled by us not any main tech giant so do it today fucks Well, let's get it. We'll go ahead and get started with our first guest tonight. Here he is himself, the guitar extraordinaire virtuoso, Mr. Byron Nemeth. Byron, man, how you doing? Nice to see hey, you. Hey, how are you guys doing? What's going on? Hey, man. Ah, not too bad. Not too bad. How's uh, everything where you are right now in terms of, uh, you know, I guess, you know, music. I mean, I know, you know, but well, first, let's go over what you've been up to. Okay. You've been obviously real busy, Byron. You've got a new single out called uh, Engines of Thunder. Uh, that recently was released, uh, I believe, like a month or so ago. You also are currently, I know, I saw you in the process of doing a uh, video for the track that you've also put together, and a uh, great new website as well. Uh, so let's just go ahead and tell us a bit about what you've been up to musically as of late. What can we expect, you know, uh, to hear and see from you in the near future during this crazy, you know, pandemic uh, that's been going on the last eight months? Yeah, that that's exactly right. I, I just uh, put out the single, the audio single for um, Engines of Thunder last month. And just last night, I got done filming uh, the video for it. The The video went really great. It was done here at Wavestream oh. Studios in Phoenix, and it was sponsored by uh, Sonic Boom Productions. And uh, the, the video came out spectacular. And right now, we're in the middle of editing the video, and that should be released in about two weeks. And the hope is to put that out and just uh, you know get it circulating and get the music out through the video. Awesome, man. Yeah, no, it sounds great, man. You know, and the the new single, it, it, Engines of Thunder, like I said, it's, it's I, I think it's a great song. And, and it's also, to me, it looks like you're doing what a lot of, you know, a lot of musicians are starting to do, which is releasing singles rather than full-length studio. You know, obviously, I'm sure a lot, like, you know, the short attention span that most of your average music listeners have these days. So I think it's easier to just release singles instead of releasing these full-lengths, right? Because it's like people listen to them, maybe they listen to it once, and it's like, okay, what's next, right? So that's what a lot of artists are doing, obviously. Some are doing EPs as well. Um, and, you know, although it, it makes sense, you know, to not go full bore, you know, with a full-length release for, you know, obviously the reasons I was just talking about, do you think by going the singles route that, you know, uh, a lot of people are doing, a lot of music musicians are doing, do you think that could also possibly inhibit you from, you know, gaining a larger audience and a fan base because it might not, be enough for some listeners today where you know they want to even though they don't listen to the whole album it's like they want to see it or else they think well he or she's not serious enough they're just putting out a single here and there uh, i mean i know it's just it's it's a way to obviously you got to be creative these days so i mean why are you releasing singles instead of eps or full lengths uh in in my opinion i think uh the the music business model has uh changed and this is just my observation i think it's changed to a single versus album model. And I'd like to take that one step further and say that I think the, the right way to do it for the moment, you know, things could always change with technology but and, and the world. But for the moment, I think what uh, what's important here is not just to release a single, but to release a video with every single single. Mm, and exactly. I think that's really, really important. And in, term, in terms of it not being enough for the audience base, 
what's important here is to get on the schedule and to try and release a, a single with a video approximately you know, every every six to eight weeks or so, and just do that as an ongoing cycle, and never stopping. And and what what that'll do is is that'll help the presence of the artist stay within uh within the mindset of of the audience on a continuous basis. Bands that you know uh, you know record you know twelve songs wait a whole year to record another twelve songs they're gonna get lost in the shuffle of the internet. And what's important here is to have a consistent delivery of single with video on a very consistent timeline. And I think that's, for the moment, that's the proper business model, in my opinion. Sure. Now, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play devil's advocate here, Byron, just because, I, and to be honest, I agree with you that it, it is the way that we're going. However, I think it puts you, you guys, and especially, you know, not the Metallicas of the world, but the smaller bands that don't have infinite budget, it puts you guys in like a perpetual work mode because mm -hmm. you always, I mean, you can't take a single day off where you're not working somebody to get onto their playlist or getting into their, you know, onto their YouTube page or getting brave <laughs> words or whatever to, to do a premiere. It just seems like it's taken the art the time that you would invest in the art and turned it into business and, and for artists, especially a guy like you, who I know is artsy, you know, it, it, it feels like it's almost forcing you to be more product based than art artistic. Is that, is that fair? You have to be both at the same time, Chris, you really do. And you have to approach it with that mindset because you have to deliver the art for yourself and for the audience base but at the same time, you have to be able to, uh, to, to a degree, you know, realize that it's a business and it, it takes up time. It, there, there's just no way around it. And you have to be involved in both capacities full on all the time if you really want to do it. No one is forcing anybody to do it. But, you know, if, you, if it's in your heart to do it and if you're an artist and, and like yourself, you know, uh, you know, we're both entrepreneurs. We're both in technology. And, mm -hmm. and uh, we both love music. If you want to do it, then you just do it. And that's, yeah. that's and that's where we're at in the world. You know, it's a personal right. choice, and we just do it because we love it, and we do it because we're business guys. So it's right. both at the same time, all the time. Right now, now for for you, you know, I, I find it interesting, and I, and to be honest, I actually, you know, I was thinking about this this afternoon. I find this to be actually a better model than I think a lot of people think of that you didn't release the video the same day that you released the song, because right. really in a lot of ways, if you think about it, it's two different audiences. There's right. the, the Spotify music listening audience and there's the video audience. And I don't think one correlates real well with the other. I don't think if you have a successful YouTube video these days, that that's going to necessarily mean you're going to get any plays on Spotify or vice versa. I almost think by staggering it a little bit, you actually play better into gaining fans because you're going to, you're going to one, if somebody hears it on Spotify and then a month and a half later, they see a video, it revitalizes the track. No, you know, no matter which way, which way they do it. And B, it doesn't seem like you put all your eggs in one basket. You know, you realize that there's two different audiences and you play to both on unique terms is, is is that a thought process or is it just the way it worked out for you you just laid out my exact game plan 
That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. That's exactly why I did it that way because I wanted to get more traction from the same song uh, as an audio piece by itself, and now as a video piece coming up. That way, you get a little more time, a little more traction on the exact same song. Yeah, that's it. That's that's exactly the right plan for cool. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One more thing I'd like to add to um, you know to the art of it and to the business of it is is um, besides the music, you know, we need to have some commerce that we can you know try and and, and make some money off of it, and that's why I launched my uh, merch store. Uh, sure. You know, I launched it this summer, and I have a whole line. I, I'm sure you've been on my website. I'm selling mm -hmm. hoodies, selling T-shirts that are all behind me, and um, <clears throat> and it's going well. It's going real well actually, and I think that that helps. You know, the music. The audio, and then the video, and then the merch store, and then you know, a pro looking website. It, it it all it's all encompassing, all into one. And now that I have um, in, investors involved with uh, Sonic Boom Productions from Florida and here in Phoenix, you know, it's it's a it's a good overall strategy to continue doing what we're doing, continue putting out singles and, and videos on on a timely manner as we move towards a situation where we can begin thinking about touring probably sometime next summer or next fall, give right. or take a little on where this pandemic sit, sits with all of us. Sure. You know, Byron, you know, so many, uh, you know, musicians, obviously, you know, these days, they try their best to encourage their fan base to buy their physical product, but yet, you know, it's just so hard to beat and compete, you know, with, having a virtual jukebox on your phone to play music when and where you want it. Right. Um, you know, in your opinion, I mean, what if anything can artists do these days in order to compete with that type of convenience? Because I mean, in the end, the labels will always, you know, they'll always be fighting to get their piece of the pie and you're not going to get any help, obviously from the streaming service as we're seeing with, you know, through Spotify, uh, mm -hmm. obviously. Uh, so it's sort of up to the artists themselves to sort of put their collective, you know, feet down and just say, Hey, listen, enough is enough. Even though at this point in time, unless you're, a really well-established artist, you can't really do that if you want to obviously get your music heard. You almost have to have them on those mm -hmm. streaming services. What do you what do you think I mean, artists can do these days to kind of compete with you know that the the model that is out there right now? You have to be a total entrepreneur and you have to find investors. That's the answer. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's the answer. You know, you you, sure. you have to come to that realization that this is a complete you know, DIY situation and you have to bring in sponsors and you have to hunt down investors, no different than starting any other business. And, and you have to be able to have the gumption, the will and the desire to do that. And I think that's the answer because you're always going to have the desire to create music. That half is always playing. It's always on and will always mm -hmm. be on, you know, but you have to bring in uh, a situation where you're your own label and you keep upping that ante and keep going with it. And that's that's the answer. I don't see any other, you know, scenario because I don't see a major label helping out any one of us. I just don't see that as reality. I think that's sure. total fantasy, actually. I mean, theoretically, anything could happen, but it's highly, highly unlikely. It really is. Mm -hmm. Byron, what are they investing in? Are they investing in you, the entrepreneur? Are they investing in the business or the talent? Is what is is I guess what my question is because, you know, it, it's doubtful they're they're investing in both. They're usually going to say, "Well, you're super talented. We'd like to have you on our roster," or "You really got the gumption to make this work." We're going with that. So, you know, in your experience, what of what what are they investing in? Actually, it's a little bit of both. Okay. Yep. And, and, and yeah, and it's starting with this video that I shot last night. 
and we're gonna you know pursue it and and see where it goes with with um you know with myself and sonic boom and it's it's off to a great rip roaring start video was super professionally shot you know we spent a lot of time with it and you know i, I got there about 10 a.m in the morning we didn't finish till seven o'clock at night we were shooting the whole time right. and we got a lot of great shots and and you know we're just gonna take it you know one day at a time with super focus and and a great schedule and just see where it goes and i'm i feel very excited about it so it's a little bit of both chris to answer your question at the moment you know Cool. Yeah, well, we are uh, seeing, like, for instance, we've got, um, you know, the the guys we have up uh, next that are coming on the uh, on Tremors Live here, both Sean Peck and Ross DeVos Freeman. You know, their band Death Dealer, I mean, what they're starting to do, I mean, this is, I guess, a, a lot of ways that some of these, uh, you know, artists and musicians are pushing back, is they're, they're only releasing three or four songs from the record to the streaming services, and if you want to hear the rest of the record, you have to buy the product. You know, um, do you think that that is a, you know a, a viable way to go about releasing music instead of you know doing singles and EPs, or do you think just basically because streaming isn't going anywhere and because it's so cost effective and convenient for you know the average music listener that you know they're just never going to go back to buying music like they once did and buying you know CDs and, and vinyl you know like they once did? I mean, do you think that? You think doing that by releasing maybe a few songs to the streaming services and and by doing that and trying to sell your whole product, the whole you know uh, the whole album, do you think that's something that could possibly work? I I think that's entirely dependent on where the fan level sits with whatever particular artist. If okay. a if a band or an artist can reach fans that would qualify as super fans, and that's mm -hmm. rare. Then a super fan will buy anything. You know, they'll buy mm -hmm. vinyl, they'll buy cassette, they'll buy a track. But the trick is, can you can can an artist, any artist, any unknown artist, can they mm -hmm. reach fans? And then can they make the fans super fans? And that requires incredible incredible amount of work, incredible sure. amount of work. So yeah. to answer your question specifically, I think the answer is yes. But you have to get them to be super fan status, and that takes takes a long time. First yeah. fan status, then super fan status, and then you can start, you know, potentially, you know, you know, thinking about maybe selling CDs, sell, selling vinyl. But I think in the early stages, uh, and we're talking unknown artists here. We're not talking Metallica. In the early sure. stages, where any unknown artist is at, I think the model that I described of audio first, then video, and then doing that in staggered fashion is the best way to do it. For sure, because that way your resources can be pooled into, um, you know, doing videos. And I think sure. that's really where it's going to bring in uh, the early fans, assuming, of course, you have very, very strong material. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That sounds great. You know, just to, and we'll, I just want to um, get off the business part here. I'm going to go now to, you know, obviously talking about your music. Um, sure. You know, and what I've noticed, you know, obviously um, you're someone who's been in, you know, obviously, uh, you you know, full bands, and but you also do your solo, you, you know, your solo music and your solo uh, projects in terms of, you know, like you said, you're a virtuoso type of guitarist and you play the instrumental uh, type of music. And what I've noticed over the years is when it comes to instrumental, you know, whether it's hard rock or metal, is that it's not easy, you know, to get on, obviously, uh, very large bills or even or really tour packages as well with a lot of traditional hard rock and metal bands. Uh, it's mm -hmm. obviously it's easy to get, you know, kind of I'm say easy, but it's easier to get on a local bill. But obviously, following tours, are, you know, very hard and rare for instrumental bands and musicians. Um, 
and and you and really instrumental artists, you know, have sort of its own circuits. Is something that me and Chris were talking about when we uh, kicked off the show tonight. Do you personally, having been in both, do you personally prefer playing those circuits, the instrumental circuits, where you know your fans uh, and the listeners are going to play, you know, pay close attention, and they're going to be probably a little bit more welcoming to your music, whereas if you're opening for like a more well-known, you know, traditional hard rock or metal act that has vocals and has a singer, I mean, regardless of how good really as a musician you are, a lot of people, you know, a lot of fans or, or you know, that are at the show are going to sort of maybe not give that instrumental band or artist a serious listen because there's no vocals or lyrics to it. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think that can be difficult at times. Um, okay. The way that I'm looking to resolve that is to do both uh, instrumental and vocal music and okay. maybe lean on a little bit more on, on the vocal end of it and ha maybe have the next two or three songs be vocal songs, but still occasionally do the instrumental stuff. That okay. way, satisfy both audiences and maybe lean a little more on the vocal end so that okay. we can have a little wider, wider range for sure. And, and I think um, what's important, too, is for again, for the moment, because, again, things could change with technology. My, my focus here is is on doing, you know, really hooky, catchy songs that are about four minutes long in, instrumentally and vocally in the in the near foreseeable future. I'm not thinking super epically long epic songs and believe me i love them totally love them like i've done in the past mm -hmm. and those are totally great to do and i might do one down the road but but for the foreseeable near future i'm thinking about four minute songs with vocals uh majority and and you know peppered in with a couple instrumentals to okay. try and satisfy both audiences and i think that's a smart way to do it sure yeah now, 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 Byron, you know, I'm always curious and, and you're one of the few I can ask this to, because you do do, you, you obviously have done bands and you've toured and, you know, you obviously toured, you know, recently with Doro and metal church when you were with the oh. images of Eden and, and, right. and it was successful. And, and then you've gone back to doing now instrumental stuff as well as some stuff with vocal. Mm -hmm. When you're putting songs together, what tells you what to use? I know how you musicians are. Y'all mm -hmm. never look, you can't even do an interview without holding your guitar. You can, <laughs> never, you can never sit down and be away, man. You know, and and you guys are constantly writing stuff and you're constantly looking for riffs. What is it about a riff or a sound or a structure that tells you? this can work as an independent song without a voice or this needs a voice. You know, how do you decide that engines of thunder did not need a voice? What, what, what goes into that thought? That, that goes back to kind of like jazz studies and, um, and just being a, a big fan of like um, Miles Davis and, and his great album kind of blue. And what I mean by that is, you know, the, the way that he played, he, he was instrumentalist and, his, his playing was the voice. So sure. there was a hook to that. And I, I apply that very general principle to writing my instrumentals. And I'm looking for a hook in the lead. So with this song, Engines of Thunder, I structured it with a verse section and a chorus section that were definitive catchy hooks, if you will, with guitar lines. So it, it was it was a a feeling of just wanting to make sure that that we have you know you know really strong you know hooks in in the line that's being played you know and that's and that's where it comes from it comes from a little bit from from studying jazz and 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 a lot of just 
having it, you know, feel good to my ear of how I'm feeling verse versus chorus structures in a, you know, in a four minute instrumental song and just looking for hooks basically. Sure. Do you, do you um, put consideration when you're creating, not, not after the fact, but when you're actually creating a song, do you put any consideration to what the song is going to be used for down the road? Do you, do you ever think, well, I want to write something that could be the end of a chick flick or the, the action scene in a, in a fast and furious movie or, you know, stuff like that. Or do you just write and then kind of go where it goes once it's done? No, I write completely artistically and just, okay. just let it go. And, 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 and the only, only small, small um, parameter I put on it is just that it'd be about, you know, on the four minute side of, of length by, by design to do stuff for movies would love to do that but that's a whole different type of composition for for that type of composition i would be working with a filmmaker and we would have long conversations as to what he or she would need to be able to to you know to have in the film so i would be composing for scenes with this i'm completely composing as a standalone artist so there's a difference to that so, so it's different, than, and I'm, I did not know this. So it's different than the old, than the old days, I guess, of when you know you would get Vision Quest, and there was a bunch of songs that really had nothing to do with vision, with riding bikes or whatever Vision Quest was about, but they were by Madonna and John Wade or whatever, and it was like, okay, they're the big artists. It's it's a different ball game with instrumental music, and yeah, the producers. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because with like Vision Quest and like that, they're they're they were looking to bring in the famous artists, is what they were okay. doing, you know. But but if you're not a super famous artist, you're 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 probably working directly with you know the the filmmaker to do soundtrack music for their film, you know. And and if they want to take my songs as is and just stick stick them in, I you know I would totally welcome <laughs> that. But but more likely than not, they're looking for moods in specific areas. Okay and your soundtrack composing other you know rather than just taking engines of thunder and sticking it in their film could happen if they wanted to I, again welcome it but but i think you know soundtrack composing that's a specific thing for sure for that for that world and i don't even know that you're in that world but you know, i don't know why I'm, I'm down this rabbit hole but <laughs> for for that world would you would the music that you've put out away from it would that act almost as the primer to convince somebody that you could do music for for a movie like would would a producer see the the engines of thunder video and think okay this is a cool song i could see where this would work on a script that i'm working on or or do you just have to have an agent that pitches you and and does it that way it would be a little bit of both actually it definitely would be a little bit of both and what would happen I, I would think what would happen is that the film producer would hear engines of thunder and just kind of like it as an instrumental song and then he probably or he or she would probably approach me and say hey i love your song but that particular song engines of thunder may not work with my film can you compose an instrumental that's a little more like this or a little more like that to fit my film with a flavor of that but bring in other elements and i think that's what would happen once uh, once they heard you know my catalog and or once an agent could connect me so it's it's a little bit of it all actually no doubt man well byron right now people can hear engines of thunder it's the latest release from byron nemeth and uh byron uh, what 
what can people expect? Let's say the next six to 12 months from you, you know, what's, what's coming next and what kind of, I know you don't have an exact timeline, but what kind of timeline are you thinking of? Yeah. Well, uh, again, in a couple of weeks here, the full video release and you'll, and, uh, you'll see that all over social media. And then, uh, you know, I've already started working on, on the next song. And again, I'm going to focus on that being a vocal song. So I'll, I'll have a group of musicians around me with a great singer for that. And that would be the next single, the next round. That would probably be sometime after Christmas, I would think. And then, and then, you know, we hope for a stronger, better, healthier world and hopefully get some information and vaccine and, and try and look forward to hopefully touring this summer or in the fall, you know? In the meantime, I'm still, you know, working on material. I've got a lot of time on my hands, so that's that's what I'm doing. Very cool. It awesome. sounds like you're talking a little crazy there with uh, vaccines and the world getting healthy, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> got to hope for the best, right? Hope right. For sure. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Exactly. Got to stay positive. Yep, I'm yep. with you, man. But i tell you what, Byron, uh, before we let you go, why don't you throw the plugs out one more time where people can check you out, where they can buy the merch, and I suggest they do buy the merch and don't just look at it. So tell people where to go and where to buy merch and where to hear the song and um, all that good stuff. Just one location, and that's at my website, byronnemeth.com. That's it. It's all there. Awesome. Very good, man. Fantastic. Well, well, Byron, it's all, you know, me and you go back a zillion and a half years, man. So it's, oh, yeah. it's always good to chat with you, man. And good luck with it, man. I hope it does good for you. Thank you so much. Appreciate right, take it. Care, Byron. Take care, Take care. Bye. Take it easy, Thanks for listening to Aftershocks. For more episodes, go to our website at www.aftershockspodcast.com. Visit us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for more news and information on the podcast. And be sure to subscribe, listen to, and review all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast platforms. For your music listening pleasure, visit our website or go to www.shockwavesradio.com. For all comments and questions, please email us at info at aftershockspodcast.com. <laughs>